Hey, welcome to the Back to Ones podcast. So I am sitting here with a very talented writer, um, who I'm very pleased to call a friend of mine, uh, who you might know her if you've taken her writing workshop at Rain Dance. You might know her from her local posts about uh, directing her latest film, Last End to Nowhere. I'm sitting here with writer Michelle Muldoon. Hi, Michelle. Hi, thank you for having me here. Thank you for coming. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. This is, uh, this is exciting to be on this. I know. I always get a little bit excited before I do one. So <laughs> mostly it's selfish just getting to sit and chat with interesting people. So, yeah. Um, so I wanted to chat with you. You are, of course, a writer and uh, you often post on Facebook, which is kind of what made me go, oh, you posted something the other day and I went, oh, I really would like to have you on the podcast to chat because it was something that... Uh, that I think is important, that I have a lot of feelings on, and um, basically you were posting about um, how a lot of actors, directors, if especially actors, if they're not getting the types of, uh, of films they want to make and they're going, oh, I'm not working, I'm not doing, so often they'll hear, go and write your own thing and make your own film. Yeah. And you were basically saying how, you know, just telling somebody to go and write a film is such an undercut to the amount of work and and technical knowledge and all of this stuff that it takes to 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 be a writer to be a, a really good writer um I always say writing is easy writing well is really hard I would very much agree with that um so yeah I was basically just wanting uh maybe you to go into more detail about it and then I've got my sure. own thoughts about it, sure. too. <laughs> I think that uh, I, have a, I have a ton of respect for the craft of acting. I know how much work it takes. I know it is something that you need to keep uh, honed and sharp and open with. And I really feel that writers aren't afforded the same due respect for the craft of writing. And But what I mean by that is... And again, I've heard this numerous times in Vancouver. If you don't like the roles you're getting or you're tired of auditioning for two lines, go write your own project and make a short. The problem is that the number of shorts that are made are, is, is growing every year. So you, festivals, even in the mid-level festival range, are getting two, three, four thousand 4,000 shorts to consider, or projects, total shorts and features. And if you have no basis to build a story on, how are you supposed to be the needle in that haystack that they discover? So I, I feel, first of all, I think actors would make and do make incredible producers because they have a great overall view of um, what's going on. Um, they know instinctively what a great character is. Um, you know, there's so many skills in acting that actually cross over really well with producing right away to be successful. But as a writer, you need to understand what makes the page enticing. You need to understand what makes a story work. You need to understand how to present that story so that the people around you will want to get on board. And then you need to understand that it's rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and that every time you write a page, that page is an opportunity to be a better writer. Just like going to a workshop or taking a scene study class is an opportunity to be better than you were the day before. 
So telling somebody who has no basis other than reading scripts to just go write the part they want without actually qualifying what that means and how much work it's going to be is a disservice to them. It is potentially a waste of their money when they do sit down and do the film. And it is a disservice to writers who are sitting quietly at home behind their laptop trying to be better today, more open to story, more understanding of what makes a good story, and be better than they were the day before. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think it's it's definitely a useful parallel to take whatever craft it is in the film industry that you are involved in. Say you're a, an actor and, and think about about where you were when you first decided that morning you woke up, you said, I want to be an actor. And how many, how many classes you took, how many breath and voice classes it took, how many scene study, how many audition study classes it took to get you where you are now. And I think that's the really frustrating part too for actors is to do all of this training and then still not be able to, to feel like you can work. But I think, I think you, you have touched on like, an ideal solution really um being if if you're an actor and you have a nice crossover to being a producer and there are writers out there who want to you know find a great way to showcase their work and bring that work to life because I mean isn't that the dream of every writer to see that work brought to life I think there's a really nice trifecta there of of yeah an actor playing the role of a producer and going out and finding these writers if that's what you really want is to act Find the best script you can get instead of trying to be the best writer on your first draft. The other thing, too, is that, you know, there's so much room for collaboration in the film process. And and I think this is one that just isn't explored enough. Most writers don't want to make their own film. They, there's a lot of writers would love to find someone to collaborate with. And... And I think because we're kind of an introverted group in many ways, we haven't actually had that discussion enough about how to bring up the quality of writing with the people who are focused on writing. And that that is by giving them the film experience. And until we get the collaborative experience, it's very hard for us to really understand how the transition on the page works to a film. Mm-hmm. I definitely, that's something that I really hope to see happen more and I really hope that there comes a better system for you know those gregarious actor types to find you know the writers who maybe aren't necessarily out at networking events because you know sometimes networking is hard and you'd rather stay at home in your pajamas and email me I have a database of 30 to 70 writers hear that everyone (laughs) so um (laughs) the other thing too is I want to say there are actors that are great writers and have become great filmmakers because they have focused on their craft. So it's not an it's not an either or. Mm-hmm. It's a figure out what's best for you. Do you want to put the time in or not? And if you don't, don't try and fake it because you won't make it. Mm-hmm. Find the find the person that'll help you be your most successful. And and I think that's the way to approach it with actors. Find the route that'll make you the most successful because it will be time in your life that you will have to set aside. It will be money from your pocket you will have to put in. And why why go through that if you're not going to give yourself the best opportunity to succeed? Mm-hmm. Now, if someone is dead set on becoming a writer and they know that they have a long way to go and they're braced for the 
for the long haul. What are some of the resources and what, what route would you recommend them starting on to get them heading in the right direction? There's a lot of routes you can take. There really are. Uh, and this is such a loaded question. I mean, there are, you know, there is a writing certificate at VFS, Vancouver Film School. There are workshops run all over town on a regular basis. Some of them are six weeks to a final content. Um, there are some writing collectives. There's a, a new writing collective that started in town by Marshall Luxani called the Writer's Brigade. That is actually for someone coming in with a script or a script idea who has already got a basis. Um, shameless plug, I do an intro workshop two to three times a year with Rain Dance. And I like to say that my workshop is the one you take before you go take all those other ones because I'm going to give you the do's and don'ts, the rules, the guidelines to start your page with. And then you can go to someone like uh, Peggy Thompson who also runs a writing workshop. Uh, and she's going she's gonna, to, in those six weeks, get your first script on the page. But you're going to come in with some tools in your toolbox to make that a little easier when you take your first workshop with me. I think... There's a ton of ton of routes you can take. There's uh, almost every acting academy in town also has a screenwriting workshop or component. Um, there are online, so many online places mm -hmm. uh, that have webinars and um, opportunities. Um, I'm a big fan of Pilar Alessandra out of Los Angeles. She has a, uh, a school there she calls the... Uh, um, on the page, and she runs workshops, and some of her material is available online, uh, and she has a book. There's a lot of great books out there. Get a Screenwriting Bible uh, by Dave Trache. It'll have a combination of instruction and the most important part to me, your formatting mm -hmm. guidelines, because there's a <laughs> lot you should know about formatting, and no final draft and movie magic does not do everything for you. Mm -hmm. And I like, we, we chatted a bit before the podcast, because we just meet up and we start talking, and yeah. Next thing we know. Um, but we were talking about how, yeah, the rules, learning the rules. Um, while I think a lot of people go, oh, you know, the, it's the story and it's the creativity, mm -hmm. you still need the rules because you need to know the rules before you can break the rules. Right. I always like to say you need to know how to make a wheel before you can reinvent the wheel. <laughs> so the other thing, too, is all those people that say, oh, it doesn't matter are counting on development and there's really no development anymore. Mm -hmm. um, if you're, if you are lucky enough to option to a studio, I mean the big, you know, holy grail of optioning to an LA studio, uh, they are not taking your script to develop it. It better be, it better be market ready and filmable. Um, and there's really not much development funding in Canada anymore. And if you are making a low budget indie film, you don't have time to be in development. You're whatever producer or director that you are trying to entice to put, you know, several years of their life on hold for your script are going to only take your script if it's ready. Mm -hmm. So ready means looking like a professional page because if you want to be treated like a professional, your script better look professional. Mm -hmm. and, and that's part of the reason the rules, which as you get better, really become guidelines, mm -hmm. um, why they're important. Yeah, I mean, and I suppose it's probably one of those things that in the in the timeline of learning how to write a script, learning the rules of formatting and learning how it's supposed to be yeah. laid out, that's probably something that doesn't take that long and isn't going to be the hardest part of that journey. 
No, and and really, formatting is only one of the rules. There's a whole bunch of others. Um, but those rules, like I said, the better you become as a writer, the more they just become guidelines because then you know why you're breaking it. It's okay to break it. Mm-hmm. For me, it just reminds me of like, as an actor, learning eyelines. Super simple thing, but you're not a professional until you go in the room and you know eyes need to be here, eyes need to be there in order to establish relationship yeah. and all that stuff. So Yeah, you have to work hard to make something a habit, and then when it's a habit, it becomes automatic, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think the other thing that I wanted to touch on too is especially, um, in order to create these diverse stories, because there are so many short films that are out there now and there's so many stories swirling around and to create a truly unique story with, with something that's a little bit different from what we've seen, Mm -hmm. um, supporting diverse writers who are bringing their experience and can tell this story with, with just years of experience that you won't get otherwise with honesty that you won't, it takes so long to develop by yourself to find a writer who has been through these things. Um, I think that's an important part of creating stories that we want to watch. Yeah, I think, I I think it's really important that, um, and I don't believe a writer has to be of that grouping or of that segment of the community or have had that kind of experience to necessarily write a great story for whatever thematically you want. Um, I do think they have to be open to it and they have to be open to research. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you want to take the shortcuts and not do your research, then you have a problem as a writer. Um, you need to be able to take the time to look up and immerse yourself in the information that's available on the topic you want to write on. And that might be one of the, um, one of the things that an actor who wants to produce may want to discern with that person. They also may want to discern, a, you know, how readily, and we know we've talked about this, how readily, uh, they will be able to release the content. Um, the writer, however, needs to turn and have a discussion with the director and producer about, what their rights are as far as changes to that story. So, mm-hmm. I mean, finding the right combination of people, the right team, it's an interview on both sides because once the chain of title is signed and the deal memo is signed, there's no going back. So you do have to understand each other. And even for a short script, you should be signing a deal memo and chain of title. <laughs> yes, always keeping up on the paperwork and, and getting in good habits as well. Exactly. I think, uh, real friends ask friends for contracts. <laughs> there you have it. Um, yeah, especially still in the train of, of, of diversity in the writing room. Um, I've been reading a lot of things lately about female writers. I know mm-hmm. you have to, I've been reading a lot of things that you've been sharing about female writers, actually. Um, Posted one today. (laughs) (laughs) And it's exciting to see so many of these um, changes happening where, yeah, there's more, it used to be where there's one woman in the writing room, now it's Mm -hmm. 50-50 split, it's, that change is happening. I'm really excited about it, especially as an actor, um, especially as a female actor, uh, knowing that, you know, roles are being written by women and are being written not necessarily to be likable. I don't think you have to be likable, you have to be relatable. 
I agree. Uh, and I, I, I think this whole idea that, um, but just to backtrack a second, that has been something that has been okay for men. For male mm-hmm. characters, it's always been about relatability. For mm-hmm. female characters, it's always been historically about likability. We're starting to see more of the female characters that aren't necessarily likable, but their journey is relatable. And that's the really exciting thing. Mm-hmm. The thing that really is, is excites me too about that is, yes, in the past, men haven't had to be likable but relatable. We still like them. I mean, and I'm really looking forward to, I was watching earlier um, the trailer for Captain Marvel mm-hmm. and it looks cool, but it feels so, it feels like Supergirl. It feels like a lot of these other films and, and part of the reason why I was kind of like not as, I loved Wonder Woman, yep. loved it. Me Still too. wish that our female superheroes weren't always so innocent weren't so, oh, I don't want this power, but okay, I'll take it. You know, I wish we had a female superhero who's like Iron Man, who is a total, really should be an unlikable person. I think, I think there are also male superheroes that have been on that journey mm-hmm. that have struggled with their power, who didn't necessarily want it. Um, I think the problem is, and I think those characters are there for women. I just think that the powers that be need to be willing to risk and make that film. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I have, I think we reach parody when we have a female version of the kind of character Venom is mm-hmm. that's coming out, who is really <laughs> not a likable guy. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's, we've got a long way to go. Um, mm-hmm. But it's going to take, executives at, at, and, and everything you can trace back to whoever controls the money. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, if I hear one more person say, you know, they've got to get writers to start writing more of this. I'm like, no, you have to get producers with the money to green light it mm-hmm. because I'll guarantee you that pretty much everything has already been tried by a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone once said to me about six years ago on any given day, there's uh 30 scripts about the second coming of Jesus Christ wandering around Hollywood. Oh my. Because, <laughs> and, and that's just to say that, you know, everything has been fair game. Every, you know, there's no true original story that nobody has tried. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all out there. It's really who has the courage to make them. Mm-hmm. And, and does the script meet the needs of the market? Yeah. Right. And I think it's really inspiring that, you know, we've got films now coming out like, like Black Panther, like Ocean's 8, yeah. like uh, Crazy Rich Asians, where they're risking it and they're totally being met by the yes. market, saying, yes, we want this. And I, I can't, personally, I can't wait for somebody to sign the deal, have the courage to sign the deal that, that brings us, like, not necessarily a female superhero, but just a super, uh, a female lead who is like, like Tony Stark, like Sherlock in the British mm-hmm. series, like... um. Uh, Harvey in Suits, who's that cocky, devil-may-care character that you go, this this person is is kind of a terrible person in a lot of the ways they behave, but we love them anyway. They're the rogue, you know, yeah. Jack Sparrow, that type of female character. I can't wait for that. I want to play that that girl, and I want to have that put out there where, where it's just a woman who's 
she's a rogue and it's fine and everything will be fine. <laughs> I think that would be fabulous. You want to write it? I'll act I in it. I would love to write it. Uh, I think um, <laughs> for me personally, I mean, I, I, over the last few years, I've gravitated towards writing mostly female characters uh, as leads. And um, I have a friend who once described my voice as jaded, damaged, and sarcastic as a writer. So it would fit right in with that. I really kind of like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I think I, I like actionable characters. So, um, you know, characters that can respond in an actionable way, but the story is still about them as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there's a lot of room for that. I think there's a lot of interest for that. Mm-hmm. I think it's whether or not the interest is loud enough for, again, the decision makers to be willing to say, I will risk that. Um, because right now, it's risk aversion is the rule of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is it a graphic novel already? Uh, is there um, predetermining success with a novel? It, you know, there, there's all these criteria. You know, if there's a built-in, a perceived built-in audience... Mm-hmm. then you have a better chance of success. Yeah, and I think it's happening. It's slow. I think to go back to that kind of saucy, you know, mm-hmm. female character, I think that it was really well done by, um, in the show Covert Affairs, Piper Perro plays Annie, this this CIA yeah. agent, and I've always kind of thought of it and described it as, oh, it's like, it's like the female James Bond. And I always kind of imagined there was maybe some influence there from, like, some of those male spy characters and I was reading about it the other day and it was actually the writer was saying he was influenced by this this other feature script uh based on a real life CIA agent mm-hmm. so it's yeah based on life and I was like that's I like that better there's there's I mean we're, we're discovering stories of women in history all the time now that nobody's written about them or they were kind of slightly erased from history, and yet their stories are incredible and profound. I mean, how many movies have we seen about, you know, because I love history, mm-hmm. Ramses the second. Mm-hmm. Well, there's thousands of years so of history I, in Egypt, but everything's about Ramses the yeah. second, right? Um, you know, nobody's done a movie about Hatshepsut. Mm-hmm. You know, the only woman to don the, the beard and staff of Pharaoh and declare mm-hmm. herself Pharaoh in replacement of her brother, who was a child. And... And one of the biggest um, temples, the biggest tourist attractions in Egypt is her funerary temple. So, <laughs> you know, but we've never seen a movie about her. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I find e- it crazy that that's not, probably not because one hasn't been written, but because it just... You know, they tried to erase her from history. The next pharaoh is a male, basically had people go around and chisel her name off everything. Mm. Um, it took them a long time to find her. So, uh, yeah, there are all sorts of stories that are out there that are possible that um, would probably have an audience. Um, we just, we're just risk-averse right now because of the cost of film, because of the changes in the digital landscape, because the changes in distribution, because, um, you know, because, because, because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that it's changing though. I mean, it's it's nice to have it's changed so much. I was reading a a, a book about uh writing for TV the other day. <clears throat> and it's an older book and it's it's still writing back when there were like the the big 5 networks and that's you write for those and that's it. And I was thinking how much it's changed since then that we have all this opportunity to have 
niche shows through like Netflix, through, through, you know, all of these streaming things, even through like YouTube and YouTube Red and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's really cool. And I wonder where that's going to take us. Well, I think, I think the first thing, the first fallacy that we need to dispel is that Hollywood needs your stories. <laughs> How many writing symposiums do you go to, especially in L.A. and you're right, Hollywood needs your stories. Hollywood doesn't need your stories. Um, that's, and, and I'm not saying they don't. Realistically, they do. But ultimately, Hollywood does not feel they need your stories. Mm-hmm. They need licensed properties. That's the way they're <laughs> thinking right now. Um, you know, the, the system is designed to funnel out the people who don't have the stomach to survive the tough years. The system is designed to keep you out, not put you in. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the way you have to go into it mentally. Right. It, it, It is a system where you have to prove yourself. It's not, it's not waiting for you with open arms. You have to, you have to craft an identity. You have to, create your portfolio you have to have more than one pitch you have to prove that that you know people want to work with you by working with people on films hence get out from behind the laptop writers (laughs) um you you have to you have to do a lot of things to prove yourself it's they're not waiting with open arms Mm -hmm. so um you know someone once told me i've heard multiple stories that there are anywhere, I've heard as low as 30,000 scripts a year registered at the WGA. I've heard as high as 70,000. I'm probably guessing 30 is closer. But if you think about that, and you've made 10%, don't look like a good script, take that out. Mm-hmm. But every year, that's how many scripts you know, you're in with. Yeah. So, so when you hear the stories about how a lot of production companies read the first 10 pages and they don't take unsolicited work and, you know, all yada, 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 that's because they just don't want to read 30,000 scripts. So you have to find a way, whether it is getting an agent representation or, or, you know, reaching out personally, Canadian producers are much easier to reach out to than American producers. Um, you have to find a reason to make them want to read your work. Mm-hmm. Speaking of finding, well, speaking of stepping out from behind the laptop and, and, you know, really stepping out from behind the laptop, you made the jump from writer to director mm-hmm. recently um, and did Last Stand to Nowhere. nowhere. Uh, tell me about, like, why you decided to make that jump and why you decided to, yeah, get out there and do it. Well, I've made a few other projects before, really small stuff. Um, they're you know, findable. I've done a couple of music videos with a friend, smaller ones, and I'd done a couple of shorts and one in particular, um, it was an interesting talking point because I sent two people off the top of a building. Um, (laughs) it was a little dark. So, uh, you know, that had some interesting talking points to it. Um, what made, why this? Because every time I would go, wouldn't it be fun to do an all-female reimagining of Gunfight at the OK Corral? I would go like, yeah, do it. And then eventually I was like, yeah, I guess I might as well do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, oh, man, this journey's been two years when I think about it. Because we did a concept photo shoot last March with Wendy D. I remember seeing those Which pictures. is the best thing we ever did. 
um, because that became the basis for our crowdfunding. Uh, and then because of our casting, uh, the Hardys found us, some of the Hardys found <laughs> us. And thank you to all of them for the support they've given us. Um, and so, you know, they helped push our crowdfunding. And, uh, and the cast is, our cast is ridiculously good. Um, I, I had people ask me, are you making a feature with this cast in Vancouver? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, no, but... <laughs> Yeah. So we have uh, Chayla Horsdahl, who's uh, just starting season four filming on Man in the High Castle. Joanna Newmarch, who is off of One Calls the Heart. Um, Olivia Peterson, who's just off Ghost Wars and Continuum. Mm-hmm. Jen McLean Angus, who has done a number of the uh, Hallmark movies. She was uh, on um, The Killing. She is like, you know, Mrs. Muggs on uh, Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and then of course we've got uh, Julie Lynn Mortensen, who's also quite well known, I think, to some Hallmark fans. And you know, um, Catherine Lonsdale is someone you should keep an eye out for. She's super talented. Um, you know, Sadie Silcock, who I adore, is on a, an indie feature called Thirteen Miles. That's in post. Mm-hmm. Um, our stunt coordinator, the amazing Maya Aro, is also taking a role this time, and she's fantastic i'm excited to see her oh she's fantastic and uh and who am i missing here one julie yeah <laughs> I, I i feel like i'm missing someone i think i've got everybody there okay um, oh and my saloon keep and uh saloon singer lenny evans and and francis flanagan i mean it is it is a list of everybody with a strong credit background who works in town mm-hmm. um and I was at a point where I, I was actually turning down actors. Like, people would, like, is so-and-so available? And I'd be like, no, sorry, it's cast. Is so-and-so available? No, sorry, it's cast. Yeah. Um. yeah. Uh, making the jump, too, like, how, what did you do to prepare? Because, I mean, you're working with, like, really talented actors, which yeah. I think is already putting yourself kind of ahead of the game because, I mean, actors, you hand a script like that, too, and they go, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah, I... I mean, having a little bit of a background already helped. Um, I honestly, directing for me, I have pulled on. So the first half of my life I spent in sport. I played uh, club volleyball. I played university volleyball at my master university. I coached uh, club and high school for a number of years in Vancouver. Um, you know, and had a really strong, I spent 10 years going to provincial championships. I had a really strong coaching background. And I do find that directing, I pull on that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's about communication, it's about planning, it's about, uh, you know, uh, motivation, um, it's a little bit of inspiration. It's all these things are rolled up into one. It's about uh, patience, you know. <laughs> so uh, I, I find I draw on that a lot. Um, I'm a firm believer in you explain and discuss uh, what you're doing and why you're doing it and who these people are and what you're looking for and you make sure you've communicated it clearly, and then you find really good people, and you stay out of their way and let them do what they're good at. Um, and when you get to set, if you've done your groundwork with them, then it's just a little bit of, you know, steering the ship just a little bit, and then giving them the room to flesh it out and make it something more than it is. And um, when you get a cast like that, they come so prepared so prepared I mean Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you like it was inspiring for everybody on set to watch this particular group of women work together Mm -hmm. and uh and it makes makes everything easier oh yeah 
I think it's very cool. Do you think you'll ever do it again? <laughs> I want to pitch this for a limited series, so I'm crossing <laughs> my fingers. <laughs> fingers firmly crossed. It you looks know? amazing. You'll, everybody out there should check it out once it, uh, once it comes out. How can people see it when it When's it going to, when is it coming out of the oven? Um, I'm hoping it's coming out of the oven before end of November. Um, we're still working on dates for deliverables. Uh, VFX and sound design both have it. Com- composition's working right now. Um, you know, we have a picture lock that we're reasonably happy with. Um, and, uh, and we have a lot of people looking for it. So I think we'll probably have some form of general screening party because honestly, I need another fundraiser to pay off post. <laughs> So we'll probably do something like a screening by donation or something like that so it doesn't mess up our, our world premiere date. Um, our, uh, and I'm going to say this. The, the, thing of, the lessons of Last Stand to Nowhere as a filmmaker is a couple of things. Uh, genre is king. Concept is king. You better know what you're trying to say. Um, we raised gross over 21000 that is not enough to make a Western, but it was enough by the grace and kindness of a large group of people who came out for basically gas money only mm-hmm. to make a film happen. And, and that, that was partially inspired by the quality of the cast, by how you, unique the approach was. Um, we, I, I like to say we're going to kick the door down that Godless <laughs> unlocked because they didn't go far enough. I think so, that's awesome. So How long is it, by the way? It'll be 14 minutes and 39 seconds right now. That's oh what my. we're sitting at. Uh, the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, visual, visual collateral material is crucial. If you're going to make something, do not make your set photographer your last throwaway decision. Uh, it, it is so important. It, what, what really served us was we had, uh, we had a set photographer on Friday, Maverine David, who could make it on Friday. Michelle Lamberson came out Saturday and Sunday. Wendy D. Did on, was initially social media, but she also took backup photos. So uh, we had um, Facebook Live and Instagram Live going with, with Wendy for the three days we filmed, actually for four days, because we had a prep day on the, Saturday, on the first day. Um, so the audience, I handed over five days before we started, I handed over all our social media codes to her and let her just run it. And, and it, and it built an audience and, and here's how I know we had an audience. So we filmed, uh, realistically, she was, she was on the ball from May 3rd to May 6th. And on May 7th, I opened my Twitter feed. And, the, and the, the analytics for May 1st to May 7th was over 37,000 impressions. Wow. So I know we have an audience, and we are screen capturing every great analytic we can. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that people will pay attention if you, if you create a social media package around your short film. Mm-hmm. And we know that providing now some kind of... Um, visual story while in post because our we're still growing without a film on Twitter and Facebook. Our Instagram hasn't followed as much because I think I think part of the the great thing about Facebook and Instagram is the interaction because I, I do spend a lot of time on our feeds now. Um, and our audiences on both are different audiences. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the... Um, TV fans, a lot of the Hardys are on our Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. 
um, and on our uh, Facebook feed is a lot of a lot of quick draw people. So our our um, our one of our sponsors was also our gun wranglers and our background performers, and that's the Thunderbird Fast Draw Club out of Langley, BC, which is the home mm-hmm. of several world champion <laughs> fast draw, quick draw pros. They're just amazing people. <laughs> um, but as they've talked about their experience on set with us, because for many of them it was the first time, um, the people they interact with are coming over to see us as well. So we know our audience is different on both. Uh, both mm-hmm. feeds. So I, the thing is, if you're going to make that transition as a writer to a filmmaker, you've got to understand that it's more, it, there's, there's, there's so much more than just making the film. Making the film is really only step one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, talk about taking the bull by the horns. And I mean, rather than going into competition with those thousands and thousands of scripts out there, mm-hmm. talk about, you know, taking the next step and making something proof of concept that's yeah. showing it's marketable and and I think you know again going all the way back to the beginning of what we talked about <clears throat> it's a great opportunity not only for actors to be acting in 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 a story that they really is a quality story crafted by a writer who's mm-hmm. trained to write it's also an opportunity for the writers to really create something not only for for the creative joy of watching your work on the screen but when done properly yeah with like social media and and with a plan in place totally an opportunity to take it a few steps further than maybe everybody else is. I think, uh, I, I think there really is a way to do it. Um, a lot of what we've done, um, I'm seeing similarities in the way um, Jeremy LaRue is working Dominant Chord, which is his mm-hmm. film that he's just into post now on and also fundraising on um, about a gay country western singer, which I think is an incredibly important story because it's talking about um, self-identity in in an environment that is not particularly welcoming to that particular self-identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I really encourage people to look for his project as well. And, and it's working for him too. And that is, you know who you are, you know what you're trying to say, and you're letting people know about it. That's all social media is. You're just letting people know about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if you come from that angle, you, you can be successful with it. But ultimately, there's still got to be something on the page. There's got to be something on the page that attracts the cast. There's got to be something on the page that uh, that attracts the DP and the set designer and all of these things. Because um, it's funny, people donate to crowdfunding to support the person, not the project. People come on the project to do both. Mm-hmm. So what's on the page becomes extremely important because it has to excite them. Yeah. Oh, yeah stories we actually really want to see happen yeah. awesome yeah well i think that's about time we have all the time we have today but uh, thank you so much for coming and chatting and that was i had a great time no oh, i had a lot of fun too i'm glad we could do this thank you me too all right bye for now everybody and check us out next week for your next episode <laughs>